come on a journey with a cinephile. Wake up, sucker. We're thieves and we're bad guys. That's exactly what we are. Bonus episode number four of Journey with a Cinephile, a horror movie podcast. As always, your tour guide here of David Garrett Jr., recording out of Columbus, Ohio. Now, I'm going to be pretty brief into this intro here. I don't really have a whole lot to necessarily kind of update you on. But I did get with one of my good friends from high school of Ken Sledge over on Sledgehammer Horror. And we decided that we were going to kind of do a little crossover thing here where he was coming on to journey with a cinephile to talk about creep show as this is both a movie that we grew up with and really have a lot of you know love and fondness for so what i'm gonna go ahead and do is get you over to the trailer before we jump into his and i's conversation about the original creep show coming soon Jolting tales of horror. Creep Show. From the author of Carrie, The Shining, and Cujo. And the creator of Night of the Living Dead and Dawn of the Dead. You'll scream at ghastly ghouls. Cringe at weird kids. And shiver at the doings of evil doctors. This is going to be extremely painful, Mr. Verrill. Creepshow will grab you, grow on you, and give you the creeps. No, this is going to be an entirely new experience. Creep Show, the most fun you'll ever have being scared. Welcome back, and I actually have a guest that I've been wanting to get on here for a while, especially after he had me on 
his YouTube show. So I'm definitely glad to invite my guest here, one of my friends from high school, somebody that I've known for quite a long time here, and I'm with uh, Ken Sledge. Uh, I'd let you go ahead and introduce yourself here. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dave. Yeah, I've known Dave since we were little kids. Started out on the baseball diamond together and uh, <laughs> grew since then. I am the host of Sledgehammer Horror on YouTube. We do a couple different segments. My first horror movie, uh, which I had David on to talk about the first horror movie he watched and how it affected him. Uh, I also do uh, another segment that's co-hosted with my wife, Ashley, called Didn't See That Coming, where we talk about horror movies with twist endings that we didn't see coming, and I do reviews and franchise rankings, things of that sort. So uh, check it out on YouTube at Sledgehammer Horror. And I'll definitely make sure that I'll include in the show notes and everything as well to make sure that everybody can you know, easily navigate over there as well for you. Because it's Appreciate definitely something that people should be checking out because he does some great stuff over there. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. It means yeah. a lot. Not a problem. All right. So what we're actually going to do here, and I'm going to throw up the spoiler warning now, even though we haven't even I haven't given what the movie's going to be. But we decided when we were talking that we're both big fans of the original Creep Show, and that would be what we were going to kind of you know go over here. So before we kind of delve into the subjects and kind of the different segments on there. Uh, what is your history with this movie? Okay, um, it actually is funny because it started with Creepshow 2 for me, actually. Okay. My parents owned a video store, Downtown Video, when I, we were kids. And when the video store shut down, I got a whole bunch of VHSs that came home with me. And Creepshow 2 is one of the ones that always stuck out because of the, the front cover. Yeah. And I know you people that are listening can't see, but Dave, you can. <laughs> I go as far as I own the Creepshow 2 score on oh, vinyl. Okay. That's you know, sweet. like this is, yeah, it's something that has uh, always meant a lot to me. And then the older I got, I finally got into Creepshow 1. And uh, I was probably about 10 the first time I had seen Creepshow 1. Okay. And a couple of the segments really, really stuck with me. And when we get to those segments, I'll tell some, especially one, I'll tell a really funny story that used to happen all the time when we were kids. But uh, you know, George Romero and Stephen King together, like this is a match made in heaven. So um, the older I've gotten, the more I've grown to appreciate the original Creep Show even more and how special it is. It's actually kind of funny you bring that up because I'm pretty sure I got introduced not to the full Creep Show 2, but I'm pretty sure my cousin, when we were over at my grandma's house, I think she showed me the raft segment from <laughs> Creep Show 2. So that one always stuck with me. And I know yeah. for me, I did not watch Creep Show all the way through until my sister and I picked up the DVD of it, where I know it would always be on the movie channels. So I would always mm -hmm. come in like halfway through like Father's Day. And it was always one that when it was on, I would just stop what I was doing and finish the movie but I'm pretty yeah. sure I did not watch it start to finish until probably I was in my teens when we had picked up the DVD with the great cover on for the original one as well that has one of the best posters that I've seen oh yeah oh I love the art to both of these and it's funny you mentioned the raft man because as a kid the raft was my favorite because you had these teens that yep. were out smoking weed and yep. you could see the girl's boob you know you're <laughs> like oh you know, like the, yep. the raft was always that one for me. So I definitely get where you're coming from with the raft. For sure. All right. Well, then to start getting into this, what I think I'll end up doing is we'll talk about the wraparound after we've gone through the other segments, just because we kind of okay. 
move in and out of that one. So the first segment here is actually one that I wasn't always a big fan of as a kid, but the older I've gotten, the more I've come to appreciate it, especially learning more about like the whole EC Comics history. But the first one is Father's Day, where we have this rich family that are waiting on the current matriarch of it, of Aunt Bedelia. And we get an interesting backstory here about how she killed her father on Father's Day. And I mean, there might be a little bit justifications there for some of the things as to the reason that, you know, she ends up doing what she does. You called me a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because, um, you know, I'm, I'm a father now. I got a 12-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a newborn. And we have holiday movies, you know, like yep. Christmas, we watch Gremlins. And Halloween, we watch Halloween 3. Like, we have our horror movie holidays. And Father's Day is Creepshow because of this. Yeah, yeah, this is the sense. one that we watch on Father's Day. And unlike you, I've always been a big fan of this one, man. I love, where's my cake? <laughs> yeah. the, the one thing about this, because I do want to be completely honest, there are things about Creepshow that uh, don't hold up to me as yeah. much. And one thing about this one that really doesn't hold up is Hank, when he falls down in the grave and he sees Bedelia's dead. Yep. And he exactly just lays, what I noted. Yeah, like he yep. just lays there watching the tombstone move as it's about to fall on him. And he just doesn't get out. Like, he stays there for an unnecessary amount of time waiting to die. I agree with you there because it's one of those things, like, when I was just watching it the other day, I was like, this is kind of, like, I understand, like, falling in the thing and just kind of being, like, like, scoffing like he does and just being like, well, this is weird. Like, I kind of, you know, like, where's this hole coming from? And then, like, when it moves once, I would start to panic. And, I mean, I like that. I noticed this time that he does try to climb out at first. And then, like, he ends up reaching up and then realizes that, like, he ends up falling back in, but I'm with you, is that he literally just stands there or sits there for so long and is just, like, watching as this gets moved closer and closer to his face. And, and what's even funnier is when he first walks out there, like, he's walking and he just sees an open bottle of liquor yeah. and just picks up this bottle and just drinks the little bit of backwash that's left at <laughs> the bottom of the bottle. Like, oh, my gosh. But, like, even with this... The thing I like about Father's Day, too, is this is one of the parts of this movie, one of the, I don't know what we want to call it, uh, one of the skits, I guess, one of the sketches, yeah. um, that doesn't take itself too seriously. Right. Um, obviously, it's dark, you know, where's my cake and all the, the family stuff that comes along with it. But, you know, like, there's a lot you can laugh at in Father's Day when they're doing their dancing and when they're it's telling so the stories. Bad. The brother <laughs> is so goofy, you, you know, but it, it's also that balance of, there's some comedy elements to it but it's also got horror elements to it as well so um there's a couple of these in here that don't have an equal amount of both yeah that's one thing i did like about father's day is you could laugh at this one but you you were also scared of this one too especially as a kid you oh, know yeah. and another negative i want to talk about and i'll talk more about it when we get to the sketch where it really really comes into play but i don't like when the dr the dramatic scenes happen mm -hmm. and they do all the light changes um, like i just no, look book. yeah see I, I don't mind the comic book like when they do the yeah. comic book cuts i think that's cool but like when he comes through the door and it goes to almost like a dark purple color like oh, the whole screen yeah. you know like that to me is just something that doesn't hold up but i get that the special effects they had they did a lot of practical effects yep. and yep. they did that as a way to hide a lot of things and mm -hmm. i understand and i respect that but it just it doesn't hold up as well for me now as it did back then right 
Because I know for me, one of the things that actually kind of brought me around to liking it more is I never understood why he came back to life from like the like liquor being dropped onto there. But it was liquor, when I ended yep. up figuring out that whiskey, I think in like Scotland is considered the elixir of life. And once I kind of learned that, I was like, oh, like that is genius right there. Yeah. And it's also kind of funny is that the guy who plays the corpse coming out of the grave is actually Romero's friend, like the actor of John Amplis, who is the um, guy with the Fu Manchu in Day of the Dead. And he's also oh, the really? person from Martin. And he's also, <laughs> which is weird, is he's in Dawn of the Dead as the guy who is in the uh, apartment building right there in the beginning who comes out with like the bandana around his head and he's the one who ends up getting yeah. shot near the end of it. That he's just this character yeah. that he's friends with and was like, would do all these like kind of character performances. That's so rad, man. Like to be able to, you know, cause that's one of those things where it's, it's, it's its own Easter egg for them. You know, my friend that's always in these small parts in these exactly. movies and that's super rad. I like, I didn't know that. That's super cool. Yeah, because it was weird is when I was watching Martin for the first time is when I figured it out because I was like, why does this guy's pictures look so weird? And then I kind of, because it's just a little thumbnail, I click into it, I was like, he, oh, okay, this is literally <laughs> the corpse from that segment. That's awesome. And it, it, again, I think this is one of those ones that always stayed with me because of the, where's my cake? Yeah. You know, that's, you know, the each one of these has that line that you always remember. But the okay. Where's My Cake is one that always stuck with me because it was scary, too, even when he was, you know, because like you said, we watched this when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And when you're a little kid, you see that old guy pounding the cane. Where's my cake, you yep. bitch? You know, like that's scary, man. <laughs> he is a creepy guy. And I mean, I also love the last line where it's Father's Day and I have I got my cake or whatever. Cake. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I got going back to the cake. comedy is that he literally has her head with like her a little head. bit of icing and the candles coming out of it where I like, as a kid, I didn't think it was funny at all. I'm like, this is terrifying. But as an yeah. adult, I'm kind of like, oh, it's getting her just desserts here for everything that they've done. Cause all these people are insufferable. Really the only one I guess is like the Ed Harris character. You really don't get enough about him, but everybody in this like family is just so rich and obnoxious that it's like, you kind of deserve what you kind of get. And that's one thing I do like about Stephen King is he knows how to write characters. Yeah. Whether he's writing a character that you absolutely love or a character that you absolutely hate, he's mm -hmm. very good at character development in both directions. I mean, right. he's given us the Henry Bowers of the world, yes, you know, so. and yeah. he's also given us the Billies of the world, which we will talk about here in a little bit. Yeah. But <laughs> his character writing has always been extremely spot on. So that that really shines in Creepshow, what, bringing characters that you love and that you hate together very good in this film great uh, is there anything else that you wanted to kind of delve into for this first segment nope all right I think we, oh. all right see, that's all i really had for that one as well so let's move over to the second one which is the lonesome death of jody verrill which actually stars uh stephen king himself as the title character of jody verrill and this is one where a meteor crashes in this farmer's backyard and he decides that he's going to take it to the local university to sell it, but ends up thinking he's ruined his chances here when he throws some water on it. It cracks open and he pours out what he considers to be meteor shit into <laughs> the crater for it. So this one to me, this one is all comedy to yeah. me. It, it's pretty much a one man show featuring Stephen King, which isn't bad. Yeah. Um, but there are, this is one of those ones that just feels completely out of place. Yeah. In this. 
Um, again, I would never say that it's not good because that's not who I am. You're making art good for you, but it's great comic relief, but it feels really out of place because there's not enough horror. But I do love like what he's having the daydream of him selling it, you know, $200 and nothing less, you know, <laughs> or when he becomes the plant and he shoots himself at the end, like that last moment of desperation where he's almost praying, like, please God, let me at least have enough strength to end this. Yeah. You know, like there was a very dark ending. Sorry about that. A very yeah. dark ending to this one, man. Like it was really dark, but you know, even him arguing with his dad, you know, don't get in that bath, Jordy. Don't yep. you get in there. And he's just like, ah, it's just too fucking bad. <laughs> I gotta get in. Well, it's kind of funny going from that because, like, he keeps always coming back to the same thing is that the Vero luck is always bad. And it's yep. like a lot of what's happening here is his own fault. Yes. And I mean, like, the cracking of the meteor I don't think is going to affect its price at all. But, I mean, he's kind of a simpleton, so he doesn't realize that it cracking isn't going to affect everything there. And, I mean, him, you know, even putting out to make it where it's not like that hot anymore. It is what it is. But I mean, he keeps making these bad decisions after bad decisions, but just blames it on his luck. But I'm with you is that it is way more comedy than it is like on the horror elements. The only thing that I, cause we kind of talked a little bit how we felt about this one, you know, before we kind of recorded over the last couple yeah. of days and everything. The only thing that's kind of come up for me with this one is the older I've gotten, I've kind of starting to enjoy more bleak type outlook in movies and stuff like that. So I do love kind of what you had brought up there is when he becomes full out plant after he doesn't listen to what his father tells him mm. and just how depressing that is that he's just praying that he can kill himself here to kind of get himself out of this misery that he has. The ending for me was easily the best part of the whole yeah. sketch. But, you know, the ending, like you said, I, I'm with you. I like it when it's bleak. Not everything is, you know, sunshine and rainbows. You know, right, there exactly. are endings, you know. Um, and for those of you that don't know, we are recording this on January 6th. So a lot of crazy stuff has been happening in the United States right now. So um, just really hoping, while we're talking about dark ending, really hoping wow. that we can have a happy ending to this. I hope that there's no more of this stuff happening on either side. So I just wanted to throw that in there real quick. You know? Completely agree be, with you. Yeah, that's... Be kind and love each other. <laughs> Whoever running the country <laughs> isn't important enough for you to hate somebody. That's true. Um, and actually, I mean, even parlaying from there for the ending and everything, I do kind of like how the EC comic feel that we get here is hearing the seven-day forecast for the area where it's literally talking about how they're going to have all this rain and we can already see that the plants are already kind of extending yes. out. And that is where I'm kind of like, it is bleak where he kills himself, but there's kind of that comedy to there even more where it's like, Oh shoot, this is going to go all the way into castle County and castle rock. And where is this going to stop? Right. See, and this is one of the ones um, that was actually based on a King short story. Some of these were written, especially for just that. for the movie. Yeah. But this one I believe was called weeds was the short story. Okay. And I think I, you might be right. So I know I've I own all of his collections of short stories. I don't remember this one, and I almost feel like this one's very short, and that's probably why I don't remember it. Because there's a right. lot from my if it's probably is a good chance it came from Night Shift that I don't remember a lot of the shorts that came from that book. That makes sense. I believe I have Night Shift, so I'm gonna have to check it out before we end this. Okay. But I'm yeah, curious if that's where it is. Yeah, because I know that this was one that they talked about. Kane himself really wanted to okay. leave this one in 
because this is one that this was kind of his baby because this is yeah. one that he had written up until like i said i think there was two or three that were written specifically for the movie mm-hmm. but this one he was very adamant that this had to stay because this is the one that he there it is nice shift oh, yes <laughs> Um, this I mean, is one I almost prepared. feel like this one would have been fine. I just don't know if it works as the second segment, just because, yeah. like, I almost feel like this would have worked better as not necessarily the middle, but almost as, like, your second to last segment, where I think it would have worked where you've had, like, three heavier ones and then kind of comic relief before you kind of end it with a flurry. Right. I'm looking here, and I don't think it's part of this one. Okay. See, I own this one because... My favorite Stephen King adaption to film is Sometimes They Come Back. Oh. Sometimes They Come Back is part yeah. of this. So, but this also has like the Lawnmower Man, Children of the Corn. It has a lot of good ones in here, man. Graveyard Shift. For those of you readers that haven't read a lot of Stephen King's short stuff, Night Shift is definitely a good place to start. Yeah, no, that's one of the earlier ones that I had read by him just because it's such a fun read because of like you can break it up into segments. Because actually, I'm just now getting into oddly enough joe hill's writing and Mm -hmm. i actually the first thing i took i have from the library is i think it's 20th century ghosts might be the title of it which are short stories from him and i always kind of feel like it's easier to get into writers like that if they have collections so you can kind of get a different kind of cross-section of their writing i just think it's brilliant that stephen king named his son joe king yeah (laughs) (laughs) you know like that that to me is amazing uh, no, that, I, I think it's that Joe Hill went on his own. He's not going off his dad's name. He, yeah. he doesn't. You know, I didn't know that Joe Hill was Stephen King's son for the longest time, man. Even though I didn't you realize look at it, him, it looked identical. Right. I didn't realize it at first. Um, yeah, they do look a lot alike. It's actually <laughs> kind of funny. Is like when I got into like looking at his bibliography and everything, his like middle name is like Hellstrom or something like that. So he has this just <laughs> random like awesome middle name, and I'm like, good for you. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I just, I can't get over the fact his name's Joe King. Like, that, that to me is just, like, the most Stephen King thing in the whole world. It's like a boy named Sue. Yeah, I'm going to name my son Joe King. <laughs> um, actually, just looking it up, I did a quick search while we were here, is that it looks like Weeds was a short story that was published in Cavalier Magazine, but it was never part of any of his, like, groups of, like, like any of his, uh, like, compilation-type things. So really the only time that it's ever been published was the comic book in book form for this creep show here. Well, that makes sense as to why we've never yeah. been able to find it and read it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I actually do have the comic book is a few years back, I found it pretty cheap online and decided that as a collector of Stephen King that I would snatch that up. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah. And uh, anybody that's a horror, you know, I think that, you know, being in love with Stephen King is kind of like a prerequisite. Yeah. I think for a lot of, like, even if Stephen King didn't really start us in horror, I think that he was one of the stepping stones along the way that oh, really, yeah. whether it was, you know, it, sometimes they come back, Pet Cemetery, Children of the Corn, something he had written or been a part of really catapulted a lot of us into what horror could be. He's one of the all-time greats to me. Oh, and I know that sounds... You know, predictable, I guess you could say, but I mean, the guy's—he's a, a genius, and he—he's—he's he's a living monument, man. I, I'm so obsessed with everything he's done. Well, I mean, kind of going from that, like, 
obviously I would watch everything that like my dad had on VHS or anything newer he picked up on VHS. But when I started to branch out as like a horror fan where I'm like, okay, I need to see things that I don't have at home. I remember going to the video store and a lot of stuff that I would rent would be, oh, this is from Stephen King. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and take this home. And then I would obviously also start picking up some classics from like titles that I would just hear here and there and take those home. But yeah, Stephen King was, that's why like in my letterbox stuff, like Stephen King is beating the next writer of any other movie by like 30, uh, I think it's like 20 some people. And the closest one to him is Ian Fleming only because I've seen every James Bond movie. So <laughs> there you go. You, you know, you know who I think is like when it comes to filmmaking, I, I really like Mike Flanagan a lot. Yeah. Uh, he's great with I the adaptations. He, oh man. The, the Stephen King stuff he's done, whether it's Dr. Sleep, Gerald's game. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think that Mike Flanagan is brilliant. And I think that, you know, the haunting stuff he does, yep. uh, Hill House and Bly Manor. I, I'm a big Mike Flanagan fan, even Oculus. I think that got unnecessarily shit on. I didn't love it the first time. The second viewing of that one, I came up a whole lot on that movie. Just how, even his Ouija, like the prequel one that he did, that one is, is so enjoyable. Good. Yeah, and it does so much better than what the original one did. That like it makes it where I'm like, okay, like that's that's fine. You did good. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> dude. I'm so glad you agree because I respect your opinion a lot. We've been friends for a long time, and I'd like yep. to be able to have conversations with you about this and. I think that, you know, my kids will look at Mike Flanagan's work the way that we looked at King's work. You know, I think like so. he's I think he's gonna be that guy that is always on the scene. He's always got something new he's churning out and it always And I like he that always, he's sticking uh, with it. Yes. Yes. And he's very you know, listening to interviews, um, like the Doctor Sleep, obviously I own the extended Blu ray and listening yep. to the special features. Mm-hmm. Like how excited he was to recreate the Stanley Hotel and it's just it's it blows you away man to watch oh, yeah. this guy he looks at stephen king the way we look at him you know what i mean and for him to be able to work like that is so cool oh he's a fan you can just see that he's a fan first yes sir right, um so do you have anything else that we wanted to kind of delve into for this segment no but i'm very excited about <laughs> the next one me too and then so that one is something to tide you over which i think is a great title as well for just kind of how yes. much of like punny that kind of is there and this is a segment where we have a rich guy of leslie nielsen who comes over to the lover of his wife who is played by i believe it's ted danson i always get him mixed up with some of these other guys who have very similar names from that era but i think i have that one right and then he takes him to the beach where he has a game that he wants him to play in order to see if he can survive and I also kind of like this one is that his wife is played by one of the actresses from my favorite movie, uh, Dawn of the Dead, of Galen Ross. Galen Ross. Nope. Yes, sir. Remember, Harry, I'm the guy with the gun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, one thing I love about this one is when um, Leslie Nielsen's character, Richard, yep. when he goes to Ted Danson, uh, Harry's house, he walks in his house and he's like, when he first gets there, he knocks on the door. And Ted Danson's like, move your foot or you're going to lose it. I can bench press 300 pounds. Right. He's like, you're going to want to let me in here. And the first thing he does is he walks over to his TV and starts messing with the connection on the back. He's like, I'm surprised you're not getting a bad picture out of this, Harry. you got to take these connections up. <laughs> you know, like, I think that that's absolutely brilliant. And we, a lot of us, especially our age group, when we think Leslie Nielsen, we think airplane, we think scary movie, we think the naked gun. Yep. And... 
you know, this is a very serious Leslie Nielsen. Like, yeah, he has those little funny lines like that, but this is a very serious Leslie Nielsen, and he's a fucking monster yeah. in this yeah. one. And um, I was talking a little bit ago about one of the things that really stuck with me as a kid. I grew up in the summertime. I lived in Adrian, Michigan with my aunt when we were growing up. And mm. Bone Pool, we went to Bone Pool oh. all the time. Yeah. And me and his would always, you know, who could hold their breath underwater the longest. Yep. And I can't tell you how many times we would just scream, I can hold my breath for a long time. <laughs> you know, like this is one of those things that always stuck with all of us, man. That's and, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. And this is that one I was talking about, though, where especially this one, when anything dramatic happens, the lighting changes in this yeah. one drive me f crazy, man. And yeah. what sucks, because a lot of the practical effects, when um, Ted Danson's character, Harry, and Galen, like you said, Galen Roth, Becky, when they are, you know, they're dead and they're undead and they're coming at Richard and he's shooting them and it's just like that mucky oh, water. Yeah. Oh, it's so, so awesome, man. Because my sister actually, uh, her and my dad had met Tom Savini at something. I'm not really sure where he was at. And my sister has an autographed picture of him doing the makeup for Harry in this movie with like oh, him dude. with his eyes closed and like the whole like zombie water, like log looking thing. And Tom Savini had signed it. And I was like, this is pretty cool looking. Dude, that it, it is, it really is. And it's one of those things where you watch this as a kid and you don't appreciate how amazing it truly yeah. is. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, oh, that was cool. You know, monsters getting shot, but you watch it now and it's like, uh, what I love about this one is this, it's a slow burn. Yep. It's a very slow burn, but it causes anxiety as you're watching it. Because I can't yeah. imagine being buried up to my neck and, and not being having those waves. Yeah. Up. And that crab, he's like, get it away, Richard! <laughs> Richard, get it away from me! Yeah. You know, and um, <laughs> another thing that uh, I want everybody to remember again, what, I, I hate aging myself, but when we were kids, man, at this point, Ted Danson was from Cheers. Yep. You know, and you see the guy from Cheers getting water in his face, and then he looks at the camera. I'm going to get you, Richard. <laughs> I'm going to get you for this, Richard. And he's got the most serious, scary look on his face, man. Yep. So I got to say that out of all of the segments here, this is the one that probably scared me the most. Yep. Because not only do you have – and even when they have the, 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 like, distorted voices that they have. Oh, yeah. Well, well, like, gargly, like they have water. Yes, man, and it's just such an amazing thing, and it really blows me away to know how great they did this, and with the characters that they had, and here's something I don't know if you know, an uncredited role in this segment, Richard Greer is the guy on TV. Oh, I didn't even realize that. Yes, in an <laughs> uncredited cameo, he just has a little moment where he's on the TV. Yeah. Huh. <laughs> yeah, never even noticed that, even this last time. Yeah, I, I didn't either. I was doing, obviously, yeah, I got my paper here because yeah. I like to be organized and I don't want to come on here and look like an idiot. But, you know, <laughs> I, I genuinely love digging into this stuff and learning as yeah. much as I possibly can. And right. I thought that was really, really cool, man. Yeah, that is actually, it's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> the star power from this segment alone. I mean, you got Ted Danson, you got Richard Greer, you got Leslie Nielsen. I mean, that's that's huge. Right. Yeah, no, it, 
And it actually kind of going back to the Leslie Nielsen thing, actually, I was just thinking about this, is that, like you said, we all know him from all these comedy roles, because that's what he did great. And I mean, of course, horror and comedy aren't that much different just because of a lot of its timing, which is what he was impeccable. I know a few years back, my dad had picked up a movie, uh, Day of the Animals. I believe Leslie Nielsen is the villain in that movie as well, where that's a movie where like the animals on Earth all kind of start to turn and become violent and start attacking people out of nowhere. And I think he's part of, like, the corporation or something that's kind of behind how it's going and everything like that. I remember watching that in college being like, what is Leslie Nielsen? I was like, oh, I guess it's like creep show where he's this villain that you just don't expect. Fuck, just don't call him Shirley. (laughs) (laughs) I do love that that's the special edition title of Airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is. That's the one I own. Don't call me Shirley edition. It really is, man. That's so funny. And I mean, also kind of going along with this is that when he's shooting them, like you said, when they come back and like he hits the one in the forehead and everything like that, is it's always scary to me is that as a zombie fan, I'm like, oh, that should just end them. And then it doesn't. And they still keep coming because they have a purpose here where they're literally coming to punish him because like, yes, they're having an affair. Not good. Shouldn't be doing it. But like the punishment that they were given from him isn't just. So they're coming back to, you know, get him back for what he did. (laughs) Just, man, oh my gosh like look i get it man i've been i've been with my wife for 15 years man like i said we've been together 15 years we got three kids that would destroy me right i wouldn't bear up to her <laughs> neck and drown her. Like, right. that's so <laughs> evil, man. i can't say she wouldn't do that to me because she probably would <laughs> fair enough man that's dark you know it is. So, no for sure and this I, one also kind of gives me disagree. i think this one has the be- you know you like the um ending of the lonesome death of Jordy Vero. Yeah. I think this one has the best end when he does the I yeah. can hold my breath for a long time and then it does cut to that comic book. Yeah. It's, I don't mind the comic book cuts, but it's just the weird colors that get yeah. to me. But I love that and how you got Leslie Nielsen's face. Well yeah, also yeah I also love that is that he says that line and then the moment the water hits him, there's just panic and it's like yeah. oh he doesn't <laughs> realize how difficult this is. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. <laughs> Such an amazing scene. I agree my friend. Yep. Um, do you have anything else you wanted to delve into here? Oh uh, no, that one. Like I said, I think I think that one. Um, great acting. Yeah. Uh, the slowest sure. burn, but the anxiety of it was just absolutely crazy. And oh, man, I just I, I'm a big fan, big fan of that one. For those of you that don't know, at the end we are going to talk. We're going to rank them from yep. least to best. So that's what I'm a fan of. I will say that. For sure. All right. So the next one is the crate which this one we have Hal Holbrook is married to Adrian Barbeau and they, uh, well, he's a teacher and then he's best friends with another teacher at this school where we first see them at a party where they end up, the friend gets called away to go to the, one of the labs on campus where they end up finding out that underneath the stairs, a janitor has discovered that there is a crate under there that is from the, I believe it's like 1823 or something like that from an Arctic expedition. And inside of it is a creature that is quite hungry for having been trapped inside there for as long as he has been. Doesn't he say uh, like fuck sticks or something when he drops his quarter? I think so. I think he said something along those lines. <laughs> he's flipping a coin. He draws his, his last quarter for the coat, which he's like, oh, fuck sticks. <laughs> That's what he finds. Well, I love that crazy. part when they're down there looking and like he's got the light on it. And then you just see him go away from it. And the guy's like, what? And he's like, oh, there's my quarter. And it's like, there's my quarter. 
It just reminds me of like as a kid when I'm trying to hold a flashlight for somebody, like for my dad, and then I don't do where he wants it, and then he starts yelling at me, and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> Another thing I, we should probably mention, I talked about how me and you really got to know each other on the baseball diamond. Uh, your dad was my baseball coach. Yes, yes he was. And so I definitely understand that David Garrett yell, you know, so I couldn't <laughs> imagine having to hold a flashlight for that. Again, disclaimer, I absolutely adore your family. I've always gotten along with your dad, your sister, your mom very, very well. So I absolutely adore them and uh, go Bucks. Yeah. Um, got that championship game coming up, winning that ship. But <laughs> I can definitely understand that David Garrett yell, man. I, that's not something I always wanted to be on the receiving end of. Yes, but back is. to the crate, man. Adrian Barbeau as Wilma, or her friends call her Billy. Yeah. Um, you know, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Yeah. Uh, that was her. And she plays the most annoying yes. woman I've ever seen in my life. And she absolutely nailed that role. They got the perfect casting oh, for her. Yep. And one of my favorite parts in this whole segment is when they're at the party at the beginning mm -hmm. and he gets, he has the daydream that he shoots her. Yeah. And everybody starts like golf clapping yes. for him. He starts like waving at people. <laughs> I also love that the one young couple that just showed up and like, she's like, nice shot. <laughs> <And just> yes. <laughs> yes, dude, it's so great. And um, like this one is also the one that I think is probably like the, the, I love the kills in this one, I think, the most. Um, when the janitor gets in the, you know, the crate, that part. Yep. And, and I love when they're underneath the stairs, him yep. and Billy, and he's pounding her against the crate. Yep. And she's like, what do you think this is? Friday night fights? You can't do anything right. <laughs> Another thing I want to point out, she pours a glass of milk mm -hmm. as she's reading the letter that he wrote. And she leaves to go to the college to meet him. And she takes her fucking glass of milk. Yeah. And now, again, this isn't a cup. This isn't a travel mug. It is a glass. A glass of milk that she takes with her to this scene where she thinks that uh, his friend beat up or molested some college student. Yep. And she's laughing the whole way there with her glass of milk with her the whole time. So I've always I always thought I that was that. weird that she would take her glass out of the house like that to go and like check on everything. And you're dead on though with like how in like how horrible of a person this woman is. Is she so mean, she talks over everybody, doesn't listen to what anybody says. And you also get to see like how much she loves gossip. And I mean, that's actually one thing I meant to bring up last time that I'm thinking about it is that with the Leslie Nielsen character from the previous one, we never get really introduced to it, but I get the idea that he works for the TV station. You don't ever kind of get to like get into any of that stuff, but you see how he has all these cords, he has all this equipment. But I mean, it's the same thing with like Billy's. You don't really necessarily know a lot about her, but the characterization that we get from everybody and how they can introduce without having to like force feed their backstories to us is so wonderful right. in everything that they do here. Like her being a gossip, just being her reading this letter and just so elated that she's in on this secret about what his friend has been doing this whole time. Yes. And she's like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I love, I love that um, this one kind of does have the, the closure yet unclosure. You know, he's like, I took the crate and I threw it in the river. And, but yeah. you see that it's opening. That it, like know, broke so. from falling off of that like heights and everything like that. Yes. And I mean, the creature effect is just amazing. It looks a little bit weird, but I'm also wondering how much of that is it's been in this crate where it's been nailed shut, where sure. it's kind of like contracted on itself just because it can't stretch out at all, because it does have weird proportions. And I mean, 
I just love that they like a nod to John Carpenter here, who I think might have been married to Adrian Barbeau at this time, or was dating. Yeah, it was. Yes, sir. There's a, Julia that. Carpenter is the name stenciled on the side of that thing. And it's also yes. I'm wondering if there's a nod to the thing there because it's an Arctic expedition where they found whatever this creature is. You literally just took those off my notes. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I really think that that's that's brilliant the way they did that because you're right it, it has all that on there and the way that it came from the Arctic expedition that's something I wanted to bring up to you is I really think that was a nod to the thing yep. and I think that Stephen King and uh, sorry George Romero I think that they really did have a big part of uh, we want to pay a little bit of tribute to our friend here yeah you know so yeah, I think that sure. that's a really cool thing that they do. And I think that a lot of these guys do that a lot more than oh, we yeah. pick up on. Well, especially know, because, so. um, I mean, Carpenter and I, I think Romero was supposed to be part of it, but I don't think he ever did a segment of it, but he was on Masters of Horror. I know John Carpenter was one of, on the first thing, so he was definitely kind of part of that crew. And I'm pretty yeah. sure, I mean, I know all three of them, I think, were friendly with each other. Because, I mean, obviously Carpenter did, you know, Christine, and then, you know, obviously Romero's working here on this one. And he Mm -hmm. also did help out with, like, Creepshow 2 and everything like that. So, like, I just feel like there was an inner circle where all these people kind of just got along and everything like that. So, like you said, they would always kind of pay tribute where they could. And that's legit. You know, that's that's so cool. And it's something that we've talked about, you and I, especially as friends, the horror community is such an open and loving community. Yep. And it's funny because you, you hear about all these monsters and the movies and all the kills. And that's what we talk about. But man, the horror community is such a great thing. Like, um, not trying to toot my own horn, but some of the guests I've been able to have on mm-hmm. my first horror movie, you know, like people, they hear about it and they're like, yeah, this is something I'd love to do because I love horror. Yeah. And it's such an honor to be able to talk to you guys. You know, even you, you know, you're a big influence on me. Uh, you guys can't see me, but I own David's book. It's right here, you know, like uh, me and David have been friends for a long time, but he's also a big influence on my life. He always has been. And I'm grateful to call you a friend and I'm super grateful to be able to come on here and talk to you about this stuff. And I just love the fact that we can stay even after all these years as good of friends as we are through horror and all the other stuff. So thank you again, man, for bringing me on. This really means a lot. No, not a a problem at all. And I'm glad that we could definitely, you know, figure out a, uh, you know, something we could kind of cover here and everything like that as well. So, no, I yeah. appreciate it as well. Because, I mean, you've been doing some great stuff where, I mean, any chance I get, you know, I've seen your praise to anybody who, like, are kind of talking about it. And I'll actually uh, – it's funny is I end up reviewing – not to kind of derail us completely, but I ended up reviewing oh. um, the honeymoon phase and I was actually talking to the director and I'd brought up how I had heard, you know, the interview with him on your show. And uh-huh. he and I talked about you very briefly about, you know, how great you were and everything like that. So I thought that was kind of Thank funny. You. Yeah. And Philip and Chloe both, Philip and Chloe Carroll of the honeymoon phase yeah. are the kindest people in the world. So I'm glad that you guys, I heard you were doing a podcast with them um, and I'm so glad that you guys were able to hook up because some of my favorite people in the world talking to each other is something I would never want to miss. For sure. For sure. And I guess the last thing I was going to bring up for the crate as well is I do kind of like how without necessarily kind of explaining it too much is that they kind of found like the abominable snowman or like a Yeti is I'm assuming what they're trying to kind of say that this creature is, but I think it's a good touch without kind of, you know, forcing that down our throats as well. Right. I mean, and you can see it's an Arctic expedition. So you kind of, that's kind of your hint. Yep. This is the Yeti type. Yep. And it's kind monster. of a cool look that they gave for it, especially. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, Do you have anything else you wanted to go to on this one? Nope. Okay. But then they're we'll creeping get to... up on you. <laughs> yep. The last segment here of they're creeping up on you where we have 
E.G. Marshall, who plays Upton Pratt, who is a rich kind of, I guess, mogul type guy who lives in what's supposed to be a clean apartment, but on this stormy night that he ends up realizing there is a cockroach infestation and much like most rich people who kind of get to this point in their life, he thinks that everything should be dropped to help him out. And he ends up kind of getting an interesting comeuppance as he kind of does battle with these insects. Okay. Two things I want to bring up real quick. One, E.G. Marshall, I can't see him as anything other than the uncle in uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. (laughs) So watching him in this role is so funny to me. And look, I don't want to get like super existential with you here. But are there really bugs, man? Like, it's something I've always thought about. Huh? Think about it. Because, like, it's a super clean apartment. This guy's just, like, so in his own head. And even when Mr. White comes to the door to talk to him, he's like, oh, are you in there with the bugs? Are the yeah. bugs getting you? You know, like, so I've always wondered, like, is there really bugs in there? Or is this something in his own head? I mean, obviously, at the end, he explodes with bugs. But I've always wondered, like, is this something in his own head? Because man, that place that he has, it's like hermit. It's like sealed, man. Like it's yeah. how are these cockroaches and shit going to get in there? So I think it's his own fears playing on him because even when the guy, he gets the phone call that the guy killed himself. He's like, all right. Right. You know, this is kind of like, he's a racist. He's evil. You know, I think this is kind of like his own come up. It's in his own head as he's imagining these things. And, I, that's just like the deeper thing I've always thought about this one is are they real? Are there really bugs in there? Or is this something he's putting himself through? Um, I actually kind of agree with you here is that this last time, especially I, you can read it potentially that there is no sort, there's no bugs at all, but it is yeah. kind of his own kind of, it almost seems like somebody who's like OCD and yeah. this is kind of what has happened to him is that his psychosis has finally gotten so deep that he is just kind of lost. And I mean, I think like the ending, I, that's a horror movie trying to, you know, show how cool of effects they can do and everything like that. Right. Where I don't necessarily know if that part's real, but I do definitely, I could see it as a reading of it where it's him just kind of dealing with his own issues. Mm-hmm. And that that's something that I've always, I, obviously as a kid I didn't, but yeah. like you said, I uh, Blu-ray as well. So rewatching, that's what I thought like, man, are these bugs real? Or is this just something that he's putting himself through? So I always thought that was really, really cool. And it's one of those ones where we talked earlier about Stephen King's character development. He writes this guy for you to root for cockroaches (laughs) over a human being. Yes. You know, like, that to me has always been so crazy. Like, I want these cockroaches to kill a human person because (laughs) of how bad he is. He is like biff tannen in the future and back to the future too like that's the epitome of his evil in this movie and you're just like every time he talks you're like oh i like you less and less every time you open your fucking mouth sorry i I swear man i don't i'm supposed to be swearing on your podcast oh no it's fine i always uh i've started to kind of i always throw up the explicit thing on there just in case because sometimes i don't remember if i did or not so so no worries there um and it's actually kind of going off of what you were just saying there i'm even not like being bothered by the wife of the guy who just killed himself when she's sitting there calling him a monster and hoping that he dies and talking horribly to him. I'm kind of like, yeah, I hope you do go yeah. through all those stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, dude, her husband just died. And the way that he treats her, like, 
even as a human being to another human being, man, like yeah. how can you be so down and dirty to another human being that you know is going through the worst possible pain oh, that man. a human can endure? You know, you that just you lost pushed him Benwin. to a point where you have just done a hostile takeover of his own company. This is probably mm -hmm. his life's work. This is probably everything that he's ever done in his life that like work-wise, like, I mean, he's married. So like, you don't ever really kind of get what his home life is, but like, he's probably identified himself as this person. And then you're just taking it out from underneath him and leaving him with nothing that it drives him to kill himself. Right. And you're happy about it. Right. It, yeah, so I, I, I completely agree with you. And I mean, not only that, but like this guy is such like a bastard where he's literally like calling a guy who's taking his kids to Disneyland and is like, I need to have this fumigated immediately. Kids. <laughs> like, yeah. yes, such a bastard. That's the best. He's a bastard. That's the best way to put it. He is yeah. a bastard. And it's actually kind of interesting as well is I'm pretty sure the super that comes up there, Mr. White, I believe is the guy in the beginning of Dawn of the Dead who is the black guy on the like talk show, which is kind of hilarious that he has like kind of a much different role than he has in Dawn of the Dead where he's very serious and they're trying to like have this talk show and everything. And he just has some really funny lines about like right. – bug got your tongue and just I'll do it after I finish the shower is like you'll do it now it's like all right I'll do it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just uh, this is the one that um if you would have asked me 10 years ago I would have told you this is my least favorite mm. I think that you know where I talked about um something that tied you over was the slowest burn with a lot of anxiety yeah. this one to me especially when you're a kid is just the slowest burn yeah. Um, it doesn't have the anxiety of being buried alive or anything like that. And as yeah. a little boy, you're not scared of bugs, so you don't give a shit about the bugs. Yeah. But the older I got, the more I've come to respect, especially me as an adult human with children, I've become more of a germaphobe mm -hmm. in my older life. Like when I go out to eat at restaurants, people think I'm weird because I take my own silverware with me. Like, I don't know whose mouth's been on this. You know what I mean? Like, so How are they I can respect yeah. this, you know, this one a little bit more so. Uh, yeah, it's definitely cr climbed a little bit for me, but yeah. we still got to talk about this wraparound, man, because yeah. a, a blonde mustachio list Tom Atkins is something <laughs> that I have to speak about. Yeah, I was going to say, the last thing with uh, the previous one is, like, I agree with you is that the older I've gotten, it's creeped me out more. Like, I had an apartment when I was in college where I found, like, two cockroaches, and it wasn't even, like back to back like I found one and then found another one like six months later and either uh, time I did not sleep with the lights off because I was so terrified until I knew they were gone that like seeing this now I'm just literally cringing this whole time watching it where I'm like yeah. this is disgusting what he's dealing with oh absolutely but at the same time you're like this is disgusting what he's dealing with but couldn't happen to a better guy <laughs> right <laughs> you know? completely agree but yeah let's <laughs> Let's get over to the wraparound, though, which is, like you said, definitely great where we have Tom Atkins as the father here. And then we kind of, I think we've also brought it up already as well as that Stephen King's own son of Joe Hill is playing the little boy. of I believe his name is Billy as well. Billy. And, and uh, he's in trouble for finding that he had a horror comic. And there's an interesting kind of back and forth here where the father calls him out on it and says he's not going to read this filth, but the son brings up that he found a nudie magazine in his father's drawer. Yeah. He found a, what about the fuck book in your drawer? Yeah. You know? I think it's funny, like, how, how – because it's Tom Atkins, man. And yeah. people that know me know that um, 
Halloween three season of the witch is my favorite Halloween. It, it, it oh, is. Man. And you know, Tom Atkins in that compared to Tom Atkins here. And like, I love that. He's just like America's drunk dad. Like he goes down and he pours his beer. Yep. And he's like, that's what God made dads for. Yep. <laughs> I was going to bring that line. <laughs> you know, like, and when he's yelling at him, it's just so ridiculous. He's like, you're not going to be reading this filth. Yep. And it's a horror comic, man. Like, and I, I actually really, really love the creep sighting here yes. when he's outside the window. And yes. the, we're, when we're talking about the wraparound, we're talking about the prologue at the beginning. Yep. I love the creep and the dissolve it gives you into the comic book of yes. the comic effect. And I love, love the epilogue with the voodoo doll. Yes. I think that that's brilliant. And I, I thought that was perfect. So definitely a lot of fun with the prologue and the epilogue here. It's actually interesting, though, is that I never picked up on until probably, like, not this viewing, but the one before that, or might have been one of my last few viewings, is that when the mother's going to iron his shirt, that there's that big swatch of it that's been cut out. And I was like, I never picked up on it until, like, right. recently, where I'm like, oh, my gosh, he has cut his dad's shirt and then made it a little shirt on his voodoo doll. And that's the what he's doll. stabbing. Yes. <laughs> so great, man. That's so awesome. Yeah, no, it's, so, it's, and then, I mean, also, there's also that little kind of segment where they find out that the voodoo doll has been, that it's been sent out for, where Tom Savini is one of the Tom garbage Savini men. Tom Savini is the garbage man. Yep. Yes. So, <laughs> look, we, we talked about how much fun Creep Show is. Now, I have a question for you that I, people don't know I was going to ask you, and you don't even know I was going to ask you. That's true. You're getting stranded on a desert island, bro. You have mm -hmm. a TV, you have a DVD player, but you can only grab one DVD or Blu-ray. You got your choices are Creepshow 1 or Creepshow 2. I'm not adding Creepshow 3 in here or Tales from the Dark Side. Yeah. Yeah. But Creepshow 1 or Creepshow 2, which one are you choosing and why? Um, I would probably, as of right now, I'd probably say Creepshow 1 only because I like it slightly more. But Creepshow 2 is actually one that is starting to come around a lot more for me. Is I Previously, like I've always loved The Raft from the second yeah. one big fan of that move of that segment and like but like chief old woodenhead didn't wasn't a biggest fan the last time that i had seen it i kind of thought it kind of drug out a little bit and then i really have started to come around though to the last segment with the hitchhiker which that one that, is one really started to like how creepy that guy is but he's also like not a bad guy because he was literally just kind of avenging himself yeah for what she did to him me and my mom all the time, dude. And God rest her soul. You knew my mom. She was wonderful. And she was into yep. the horror movies with us. And all the time, me and my mom would be driving. And I'd be like, thanks for the ride, lady. <laughs> you know, totally go along with it. You know, and the older I've gotten, I, I have always, and I think will always be a bigger fan of Creepshow 2. And I think the reason why is in Creepshow 2, if you don't count the wraparound with the Venus Flytrap animation yeah. stuff, there's only three. Mm -hmm. segments in it and i think that it's easier to hold your attention the less i, I love I, I mean i mean i absolutely love these movies um actually my next horror movie review is going to be on tales from the hood because oh. i'm a huge fan of that movie as well such a good one yeah yeah and i love it when you you don't force too much mm -hmm. in there so i i gotta go creep show too and i old chief woodhead is one of those ones where the villain um, his name is escaping me right now, but the the cat with the long hair, not the yeah. fat kid or the rich kid, not yep. rich boy or tubby, but 
he's such a bastard that it's hard not to love him. Yeah. You know, he's like, look at this hair, man. You know how long it's taken me to grow this hair? You know, and then, like, he's even talking to the store owners, and you can't take these jewels. They belong to your people. Fuck yep. my people. Look at this hair. I'm going to Hollywood. Hayden Lake. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man. I, I definitely am a huge fan of Creepshow 2, man. I, I love yeah. them both. But yeah, for me, Creepshow 2 is where it's at for me. Yeah, no, that's... It's all it's splitting hairs for me, where it's very much like yeah, it's definitely there. Like even the ones I don't necessarily like from Creepshow too. Like I've come around a little bit more on Chief Woodenhead. Like as a kid, I loved it. That was one where I was like, yeah. man, like this is great. Like this Wooden Indians coming back and killing people. I watched it when I first moved to like Cleveland for a stretch, and I was like, all right. But then I end up watching it. It's been a little while since I have seen it. But I end up, last time I did, I was like, okay. I was like, this isn't as bad as I remember it. And it's not as, right. I always kind of thought it was long. That first segment was a little bit too long. This Last time I watched it, I was like, okay, it's not nearly as drug out as I had remembered it as. Sure. And that, that's another thing that we get so used to them. Yep. That it's easy to take advantage and really, how do I want to word this? Extend them out in our own mind. Right. You know, and then you yep. rewatch them the older you get, and you're like, okay, this really isn't the same as I remember it being. Exactly. I remember that one being a lot bloodier and violent than it is. Me There's too. not too, you get the blood when she gets shot, and mm -hmm. you get the blood when he's holding the scalp, but that's really it. Yep. But I remember it being way worse than that, same man. Here. Like even the arrow through the pot, it's not that bad through the beer. It's not yep. that bad, man. No. <laughs> but I, I'm really interested to know your ranking of creep show. So you want to go bounce back and forth, you'll do your fifth, then four we'll go back and forth. Yeah, we can do that. That will work for me. All right, so my what, fifth one, I'll start off for us, is going to be the lonesome death of Jody Verrill as my least favorite. But as we kind of already had said, is that not by much anymore, it has come up for me after my like last few viewings for sure. Number five for me is the lonesome death of Jody Verrill as well. <laughs> That's also one. And again, it's not that it's bad. It just feels out of the five i feel yep. like this one feels the most out of place yeah. because it's overly comedic so it's still so much fun it's a lot of fun and i do enjoy it very much but Agreed. it's like asking me to choose my least favorite song from the beatles white album you know my least favorite right. song is still a great song yeah exactly you know, so <laughs> that's the jordy barrel as well okay um my fourth one then would be uh father's day okay my fourth would be they're creeping up on you okay I put that a little lower just because I think that he's such a bastard. And, you know, with it being the last one as a kid, it was always at that point where I was kind of kind of already. Yeah. You know, so so for me, it's that one because it's the slowest burn without as much anxiety as tied you over. So four for me is creeping. Perfect. Actually, yeah, for my number three, I actually have their creeping up on you. So not too far off from you there. For my number three, I have The Crate, actually. Okay. I think The Crate is number three. But again, we're, like you said, we're splitting hairs. From yeah. here on, I, this could change daily, my yeah. three, two, one. So for, for today, The Crate is my number three. <laughs> it's actually kind of funny you say that because uh, I'll get to where when I have mine come up for that one. I will say something I didn't bring up when we were talking about it. But for my number two, I have something to tide you over. For my number two, I have Where's My Cake, You Bitch, Father. <laughs> and so, of course, then my number one is The Crate. 
And my number one is something to tide you over. I, I just, I can't, I think what it is really is just the nostalgia of being with Josh Miller at yeah. Bone Pool. So, you know, I can hold my breath. <laughs> I think that, that means more yeah. to me than actual segment. You know what I mean? Like, if that yeah. makes any sense. Yeah, what I was going to bring up for the crate actually is that the last two times that I've watched it, both times I've been like, this is good, but it's a little bit too long. The only mm -hmm. reason I kind of put it still as my number one, and it's barely my number one. So, because like you said, I could probably do my, I mean, the top four, I could probably any other day kind of rearrange them. Because when I was doing it this morning, I was like, man, how am I going to actually have this shake out? Because when I was thinking about it, I think for the crate, what I just love is Hell Holbrook's character finally getting his revenge on this person who has bullied him for so long that I'm like, okay, I cannot, I can well, where I want to chime in on that is it's the opposite of how it usually is. Usually you have, and I, look, spousal abuse is very real, yep. whether it's from a man to a woman or a woman to a man. And there's nothing ever funny about spousal abuse. In that same vein, you usually have it the other way around, where you have the, uh, the abusive male that's very physically or emotionally or verbally abusive towards the female and her finally get her come up and set him. But in this, you have the actual, it's the opposite. You know, this husband is always going through this verbal abuse. Where would you be without me? You're, you know, you're worthless. You're stupid. And he's really started to believe that he looks like a beaten dog, oh, you yeah. know, like he's just yep. submissive and so you know, like miserable. And again, spousal abuse of any type is not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, and it, it's good, obviously a little extreme yeah. to, for him to get his comeuppance, but it is nice to see the beaten spouse come out on top. It, it's always yep. nice to see that, you know? Yep. So I, again, the top three for me, you could ask me tomorrow and they could be absolutely interchanged. So <laughs> right. this is one of those movies where um, you know, I, I would give this a four out of five stars. Absolutely. I think that this is a whole lot of fun. No movie's perfect. You know, I think the closest to perfect I've ever seen is A Nightmare on Up Street, but you always got to remember it has that last five minutes. So, yeah. um, <laughs> but th this is a very fun movie. It's one of those movies that I could put on at any moment. Like I yep. said, we watched it here on Father's Day. So yep. this is one that I think will always have a huge effect on my life. Um, like I said, from screaming, I can hold my breath for a long time as a child to sitting down with my kids and screaming, where's my cake at my eight-year-old daughter and scaring her, you know, like, this is a thing <laughs> that I absolutely adore. So I really, this is the first time I've, whether it be on mine or as a guest that I've been able to talk about creep shows. So it's, it, it's really cool for me to be able to have this conversation and have it with you. So I appreciate you letting me come on to do this, man. It's, yeah. it's a lot of fun. And what, have you watched the new TV series on Shudder? I haven't yet. Um, it's one of those things where I had started watching the original Twilight Zone on the, on Netflix. And so like, I kind of bounce around when I have like, I really like how they do the shorter like episodes. So like yeah. I can pop in where I'm like, okay, I don't have enough time to start a movie right now. I don't want to kind of just get this far into something. So I'll put like that on. I've had a lot of people, especially lately telling me that I need to watch the, some of the creep show episodes because it's kind of correlated to some of the movies that I've been watching lately that I do think that I'm going to just one day just binge through all of it and then just knock it out because I mean, I'm a big fan of, you know, everybody involved with it, especially being on Shudder and everything like that. What what I like a lot is like, there's one episode that's all about Nazi werewolves. So it's that's totally- That's I was recommended. <laughs> it's totally a play on American werewolf in London. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, and there's one that's 
completely a guy turning into a plant. You know, it's a total play on the original Lonesome Death of Jordy Vero, but add on to it. And Tobin Bell is actually a part of that one from oh, Soft. Okay. Yeah. You know, so um, I would definitely recommend it. It's one of those ones that either an episode's really good or it's really not. Okay. So but I would I would recommend it, man. Greg Nicotero's part of it. Yeah. Um, I think her name is Casey Fleming. She plays Judith on The Walking Dead. She has an, a ra- an episode oh. all around her. Yeah, young. Okay. She's yeah. an amazing young actress, one of my favorite young actresses. I absolutely recommend this to you, man. I think it's something that you should check out for sure. Yeah. Okay. I'll definitely give it a go. All right. Um. So I guess just in closing here, is there anything that you wanted to kind of shout out here before we kind of wrapped everything up? No, just, um, man, uh, thank you guys for listening. It really means a lot. Make sure you are checking out the social media links, um, YouTube channel for Sledgehammer Horror. I hope you guys enjoy that as much as you enjoy uh, this, you know, journey with a cinephile. And I'm a huge fan, and I'm so stoked to be on here. And thank you guys so much for listening to us ramble for the last hour about how amazing Creep Show is. Right. Um, hopefully this will, even if you've seen it before maybe this talk will make you want to go rewatch it and figure out if the bugs are real or maybe you've never seen it and this will finally convince you to go check it out so thank you guys so much for listening and maybe here in a couple weeks we'll do the absolute opposite and me and dave will dissect creep show 2 on sledgehammer horror i mean i'm definitely down for it so let's schedule it when we're done here man i think that would be super cool well, once again, though, thank you for coming on here. Like I said, I wanted to do this for a while, kept getting busy with different things, but I made sure that the moment I had some free time that I would get you on here. And like I said, we'll definitely do this again. I do and definitely enjoy having, you know, talking to you and everything. We had some, I think we had a good conversation here about all this. So I can't but, wait to listen to it, man. I know that sounds mean, but I had a lot of fun. So I'm really excited to hear it back. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. And This is David Garrett Jr. signing off. Take it easy. Perfect. It had been a wonderful evening, and what I needed now to give it the perfect ending 